Well, it is a blessing to have a worship team like we do to lead us each week. That's a lot of fun. Whoa, hey. Extra. Uh, so that's fun right there. Hey, I'll tell you what. As we get started tonight, you probably look around and find somebody that you do not know. And you, you think, who is that person? Uh, you know, and why do they keep sitting by me? And so uh, you need to probably get to know them. So why don't you find somebody sitting near you and why don't you ask them a couple of questions? Like, ask them, what is your favorite song right now and where is your favorite place to sing? Okay, where's your favorite song? Where's your favorite place to sing? All right, go. Okay, let me call us back. <laughs> okay, let me call us back together there. It's like herding cats. You can never do this. Okay. There we go. Thank you, Jack. Uh, whoa. I have no idea who's doing that. Okay. We back? We back. Okay. Well... Great, great. Everybody find out some good information. Do you find some new songs that you need to check out and stuff like that? Yeah. A few you'd like to forget. Okay, so where we're good. Well, we're continuing a series this week, and we're continuing uh, looking at worship and looking at living a life of worship. And let, let me kind of explain something of how we do something sometimes, because I know sometimes there's confusion on people's part. Like a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look at a, a, a certain theme taken from scripture or a certain subject taken from scripture. And what we'll do is we'll look at that for like several weeks at a time. Now we do that for uh, a couple of reasons. One, because when we're looking at a particular subject, we want you to be able to hone in on that for a while and really think about it and think about, okay, you know, what is this about, you know, and, and what's going on with this and, and, you know, not to be bouncing around all the time each week, but to really look at one subject. But the other reason we do that is this for the simple fact of the commission that was given to us. When Jesus was getting ready to ascend to the Father and he was leaving the 12 disciples there, he, he turns to them just as he's getting ready to leave and he says, by the way, fellas, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So what I want you to do is go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. And so the guys got that. And they understood what we don't a lot of times. And that is this. The commission was not teach them everything I've commanded you. The commission was teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. See, a lot of times we kind of glance at something, oh man, that's great. Or we look at something, we think, you know what I need? I need something where somebody just teaches me something new every week. I just need new information. And I think, yeah, there's a Hebrew word for that, bull. Uh, you know, that's so not true. <laughs> what you need is someone who teaches you to obey what the Bible says. And so when we're focused on that, a lot of times people say, you know, I'm not sure. Is it, I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's cool, but I'm not sure if that's really deep. Well, you know, there's not a lot of 
depth sometimes to obedience. It's just either you're doing it or you're not. You know, you kind of look at that, you know, and what we need to figure out is sometimes we think, man, if somebody just says something like in the Hebrew or in the Greek or something like that, and it's like, no, 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 guys, that doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is this. Do you take it, dress it up in denim and put it to work in your life? And that's what we want to do. So that's why we look at things like that. So we're going to continue in a series right now where we've been looking at a life of worship. We've looked at how living purposefully and living on purpose really causes us to live a life of worship. We've seen the last couple of weeks how the way you think and the values you have contribute greatly. In fact, if you don't have the right thinking and you don't have the right values, it's really impossible to live a life of worship. And we've looked at that. But a lot of times when people think of worship, they, they have this feeling that it's all about singing. In fact, you'll even hear them say, you know, when we get through with worship and then somebody's speaking, you're like, we're through with worship when someone's speaking? Really? I mean, you know, and it's, it's this idea that worship is all about singing. But what you'll find to be true is this. The true test of worship is what takes place after you quit singing. What happens then? How do you choose to live life? How do you choose to live a life of worship? And so that's what we're going to be looking at more of. Other people, they discount singing altogether. In fact, I'll see people a lot of times, they're kind of like, you know, I don't even know why we sing. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of like uh, not into singing that much. You know, I mean, why, why do we do that? Now, why do you think people don't sing? Let me just ask you that. That's not a rhetorical question. I'm really curious. Why, why do you think? Because if you notice this, sometimes people are like... You know, I don't do that. And those kind of look around. You know, I mean, why do you think people don't sing? They could sound like Jack. That could be possible. They, <laughs> they, they could think that they're going to sound like Jack. I don't know. But we're going to find out. But embarrassed? Some people are embarrassed. Okay. What else? They don't like music. That's not really true. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed the very people who say, you know, I'm not really musical. And then all of a sudden, if you ever live with them for a while, you think, what is that noise coming from the shower? <laughs> and you think they have a radio in the shower. No, it's them. And you realize they do like music. It's only certain settings, you know. So uh, here's, here's the thing. I want us to look for at a couple of things. I want us to look at why do we sing? And I want to look at, at why is singing important? Why, why, why do we sing and why is singing important? The first one, why do we sing? You know, the why we sing is this. It's because the reality of God, the reality of Christ, the reality of creation, the reality of salvation, the reality of, of heaven and hell, the reality of these things is so immense. Sometimes it, it's so great that just speaking doesn't do it justice. We really have to choose to sing about it. See, one of the things that God does is this. He wants us to learn to actually worship him with everything we are. He wants you to worship him with your mind. He wants you to worship him with your body. He wants you to worship him with your emotions. Now, for a lot of guys, they're like, emotions? Are we going to talk about that? I'm not really sure. Emotions, you know what I mean? He wants you to worship him with everything. And thus, what you find is, when you understand that, then you can begin to understand why music and singing is so central to worship. Because what you find is that the, the depths, the intensities, the, the, the kinds of emotions, things, those can't satisfactorily 
be communicated a lot of times apart from singing. You know, so you just kind of break forth into song. You start singing about it, you know, and it's something that just takes place. In Ephesians 5, verse 17 through 20, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. He gives them some things, and I want us to look at that passage and some things it teaches us about singing in worship. Paul says this, So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he starts right off saying, hey, hey guys, <clears throat> get your mind wrapped around this. This is something God wants you to do. You know, a lot of times people go, I don't know what God's will is. Well, here's part, here's a real clue. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Then he goes on. He says this, we're going to look at three observations here in just a minute. He says, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So three observations that I would like us to look at from this. We could look at a lot of observations from this, but we'll look at three for tonight. The first one is this. Singing is an expression of the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. Singing is an expression of the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. If you look in verse 18 and 19 right there, he says, Do not be drunk with wine. For that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, he compares and contrasts being drunk and being filled with the Spirit here. He says, you know, whenever you're drunk, what happens is alcohol begins to take over control of you. It kind of masters you. You find yourself saying things and doing things sometimes. You think, why did I say that? You know, and, or why did I do that? Well, it's because something else has kind of control of you. And that's the point he's trying to make here. He says, be filled with the Spirit or be under His control. But now what you discover when you begin to look in the Scripture is that being under His control, the Holy Spirit doesn't like, you know, run His hand and you're like, whoa, you're like this little puppet. That No, it's not like that. Or it's not like you're some little robot that He has around that's not like that at all. What it is, it means that you begin to come under his control. It's, it's a directing influence in your life that causes you to begin to see the world from God's perspective and causes you to begin to think, okay, how do I really live in a way that pleases God? How do I really live in a way that blesses other people? You begin to think that way when you're under the control of the Holy Spirit, when he's the one who's beginning to work in your life. One of the things that naturally grows out of that when he's directing you and when he's under control is singing. It's one of those things. That's why he goes right on and he continues on and he says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you know, singing is part of that. But he says, it starts with being filled with the Spirit. So how, how are you filled with the Spirit? That's probably a good, a good question, a good place to start with there. How, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What he's really talking about there in the first place, it's, it's a passive word. So if you ever study Greek, what you'll find is this is in the passive language. In other words, a better way to say that would, in the English would be, be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, you're not the one who does it. God is the one who fills you with the Spirit. You don't have the ability to do that yourself. You know, you don't like, where's the jug? You know, you don't, you know, you don't have that. You know, you, God is the one who has to fill you. Now, there are some things you can do to cooperate with that. There's some things you can do that will help that. There's some things you can do that will hinder that. So, you know, you, you want to look at those. You know, to start with, you know, some of the things that will, that will hinder that 
He says uh, in a couple different places. In one place, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In another place, he says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And what you find is if you grieve the Holy Spirit or you quench the Holy Spirit, then you really impede the whole process of God trying to fill you with the Spirit. Now, you grieve the Holy Spirit when you choose to not obey him. When you choose to just do what you want, to just sin, to just go your own way, that grieves the Holy Spirit. When you choose to resist him, like he's saying, hey, you know, I think you ought to sing. And you're like, yeah, no. Um, Then you actually are resisting. That's really quenching him. When you're quenching him, it's awfully hard for you to be filled with him and stuff as well. So you don't want to grieve him. You don't want to quench him. What what kind of things do you want to do? You know, how, what's a way you can, something you can do that can begin to facilitate that apart from obeying him and, and paying attention, which are two great things. One, he mentions Paul in a sister passage in Colossians 3.16. Paul says, um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And what you'll find is this, the more you saturate your heart and mind, with the word of God, the more that you are much more willing to obey God, the more that you are much more willing to not be resistant to God because you see exactly who he is and what he's about. And the more you do that, the more you set your heart in a place to really be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what you want to live a life walking with him. The second observation, he says, singing has both a vertical and a horizontal dimension. That is, it is to be to the Lord, and at the same time, it is to be one another. There's, it all kind of depends on, on, on the songs we're singing. At one point in verse 19 right there, he says, speaking to one another. That's the horizontal dimension. If you look on later in the passage, he says, making melody with your heart to the Lord. That's the vertical right there that he's talking about. Worship always has a Godward focus. Sometimes we're singing to him. Sometimes we're singing about him. But it always has a Godward focus. Both of them are totally legitimate. But we want to be aware of a couple of things as we're looking at that. Like vertical worship songs, they have a singular focus, and that is God himself. We're thinking about God. And so like a song, Holy, Holy, Holy. You guys know that hymn. You've heard that before. Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, you are singing to him. And so you, you begin to sing songs like that. He's the focus. He's the one you're singing to. Other times, songs have more of a horizontal thing. Something like, crown him with many crowns. Something like that. Okay, what are we saying there? Well, we're saying to one another, hey, this is how we should approach life towards God. Right here, we will crown him with many crowns. Or you look at another one like majesty, you know. Worship is magic. We're calling on one another to, hey, guys, this is the way we should respond to God. This is the thing that we should look at as we speak to God. Here's the thing. I've noticed sometimes that folks don't seem to remember the audience of their worship. You know, like when you're singing a song to God, the audience is God. And you ought to kind of like tune other things, other people, other thoughts out around you. You're singing to him. Other times when you're singing about God, we need to remember that the audience is one another. Look at one another. Encourage one another. 
Have you ever noticed this? See, we don't stop and think about this a lot of times because we think, oh, I just, that's what I do. But if you start thinking about it, like have you ever noticed that sometimes we're singing a song to one another and somebody will just be sitting there with their eyes closed and their hands in the air and they're singing the song to one another and you're like, I mean, do you ever do that to anybody else? You know, I ever walk up and go, Audrey, I want to talk to you. You know, Audrey's going, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm talking to you. No, if I'm talking to her, I look at her, I talk to her, you know. And yet we do that with worship. We think it's normal. Or sometimes, have you ever noticed this? We're singing to him with your eyes closed. That'd be totally fine then. You know, hands in the air, that's totally fine. You know, I mean, you're sitting there, you're singing to him. But we'll be singing to him, and all of a sudden, we're like, what did you say? Oh, they did what? Really? I didn't know that right there. And we're just back and forth. I mean, can you imagine if somebody did that to you? If they walked up, you know, and they said, hey, Luke, uh, you know, hey, how, you know, anyway, you did, and you're sitting and he's going, I'm, were you talking to me? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'll get back with you in a minute. Uh, you know, and you, just kept, and you just kept going. I mean, you know, you'd be thinking, what the heck are you doing? I'm sure God must be saying the same thing. Excuse me, excuse me. Were you singing that to me? Why are you sitting around talking to each other all the time, right? I mean, what are we doing here? Do you get the focus here, guys? You know, I mean, what we need to understand is songs can have a vertical dimension. Songs can have a horizontal dimension. We need to tune in to what we're singing and we need to begin to think, hey, you know what? If I'm going to actually worship God in singing, then I need to remember my audience. I need to remember what's going on there. The third one and the final one there. Singing in worship involves different forms of songs. In verse 19 again, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, quite frankly, there's a lot of overlap there. There's not like this hard and fast distinction between those all the time. Psalms tends to refer to verses that come out of the Psalms, that Old Testament Psalms that were kind of turned into songs. In fact, actually, that's what most of the Psalms were, were songs to God. That's one category. Then there's hymns. Hymns tend to be like that, except hymns are not like inspired by God in in the scriptures. Hymns tend to be songs that tend to really lift up Christ, and they tend to be songs that, that we sing Um, to one another. They're a little more formal in some ways where spiritual songs, that's kind of everything else. That's the choruses. That tends to be songs that people, you know, they write out of, uh, out of their own experience. They write out of different things that, that God has, has taught them or is doing with them. All of those are important. All of those communicate, all those communicate different things. When we're filled with the spirit, one of the things we find is we tend to want to express things to God. Sometimes it's best in a psalm. Sometimes it's best in a hymn. Sometimes it's just best in a spiritual song. But you're just wanting to express all of the thoughts and things that are going on in your heart to God. So it takes a lot of different mediums. Why? Because there's a lot of things that go on in your heart and a lot of different things you're trying to communicate. So those are the three things you can look at out of that verse. But one is to look, why... Is singing important in the first place? I mean, why is singing? I mean, why, I mean, why can't everybody just talk? I mean, why sing? Have you ever noticed, the first reason I would give you is this. Songs stick with us. There is a stickiness to songs. Um, have you ever noticed how easy it is for you to remember certain TV jingles or uh, songs you heard growing up or nursery rhymes or anything else? I mean, some of those you've not heard in years. 
But all of a sudden, someone starts one and you're like, yes, I know that song, you know. I mean, you know, you deserve a break today. And all of a sudden you're like, yes. You know, I mean, you just kind of tune in, you know, the golden arches are coming into view. You just have these things, you know, I mean, any, any different songs. For instance, I, I, I'll give you one. There's a stickiness to them. Um, how many of you are familiar with uh, a guy named Charles Bradley? Anybody know Charles Bradley? Oh, you do. No, you really do. See, the reason I know you do, you, you sing his songs all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you that many of you have gone through his song at least four or five times today. See, he has this song, and it goes something like this. Um, a, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, Elemental P. You go, Charles Bradley wrote that? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Now, he ripped off a tune from a guy named Mozart. Because uh, Mozart earlier had written that, except he just put some different words to it. He had, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Now, some of you right now are going, son of a gun, I never knew that ABC. It's, I know, I know, I know. It's kind of tripping you out. It's okay, just hold on. But you know, Actually, when you come to think of it, Charles Bradley did not come up with the lyrics to that either. I think someone else came up with ABC. I, I don't know how he got credit for the song, okay, but he did, you know. He got credit for it. But here's the thing. There's a stickiness to songs. There are things that you've even tried to forget a lot of times, and you can't forget them. Why? Because it was a song you learned. And it just sticks in your head. In fact, there's sometimes somebody will sing a song, you're going, why did you do that? Why? Because it's going to stick with you for days and days on end. You know the helpful thing? When there's songs that are true and there's songs that are helpful, it's really good because it sticks with you. That's why, see, if it's not true, you don't want to sing it. So, you know, think, when you're looking at something, think, if I can't believe it, don't sing it. But you want to make sure that you, they really stick with you. Why? Because songs are really sticky. The second reason it's important, singing can really strengthen us. You know, Jeremy mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you're going to go through some hard times in your life, probably some incredibly hard times. And when you do, a lot of times what God will really use to strengthen your soul and to really move you forward will be a song that you've learned. And it'll be a song. He'll just bring it back to mind. And you'll begin to think about it. You'll think, you know what? That's true. That's right. I, I know that. I can trust that. I can believe that. Because it's something that he, he's brought to mind. So over and over, you know, you'll see that songs can really strengthen us. On the night that Jesus was getting ready to go out and be crucified and give his life on the cross to pay for our sins. Mark records this in chapter 14, verse 26. He says, after singing a hymn, speaking of Jesus and the disciples, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, most of the time, we just pass right over that. You think, you ever wonder, what did they sing a song for? Well, I mean, how else would you end the thing? I don't know. I mean, that's what, you know, no, they sing a song because you know what? Songs can really strengthen you. They sing a song because sometimes you sing a song and you, you think, boy, you know what? That's true. 
You know, um, no matter where we are, God, in the highlands, that's a great place. Boy, but in the valleys, God, you're the same. You're no less God in either place. You're the same. And boy, we remember that and we walk through life and we think that's really, really true. If you look on, Luke records for us that there's a point at which Paul and Silas have just gotten the bejesus beat out of them for following Jesus and they're thrown in some Philippian prison. And so, can you say that? Can you say bejesus? I guess I did. Okay, uh, you know, they have, and they're in this Philippian prison cell and this is what he records in Acts 16. He says, um, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, because nobody else is singing in the prison. I mean, have you noticed that? I mean, not, most of the other guys weren't going, hey, what songs did you have worked up for tonight? You know, I mean, just after a good beating, I like to sing in prison. You know, I mean, no one else was thinking that, you know, but. Paul and them are. Why? Well, because it began to strengthen them. Obviously, you know, it had an effect too because there's this earthquake and all of a sudden all of their chains come loose and the guard who wakes up because he's, you know, a government worker, he just woke up and, and uh, he realized, you know, oh my gosh, you know, something's going on here and uh, he's, he's ready to kill himself because he realizes what am I going to do, you know, and, and uh, he thinks somebody's escaped, which means it's going to cost him his life. And as he's getting ready to do something, Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. He's like, what? And he looks inside and sure enough, all the other guys were sticking around going, you got another song? I mean, you know, they were really wanting to stick around and learn from these guys and hear from these guys because there was something really, really different about these guys. See, singing, oftentimes, it really emboldens us. It puts courage within us. why, why is that? Well, it's really for the third reason, and that's because it reminds us who God is and what he's done. It reminds us of who God is and what he's done. Now, we talked about on the first week, worship is our what? Now, see if anyone's paying attention. Worship is our what? Response. Oh, thank you. There's a few people on the front row that paid attention. Worship is our response. That's exactly right. And one of the things you begin to find is this. Worship songs that remind us of the goodness and greatness of God are paramount. Paramount. Because when we're reminded of that, we can begin to respond to the very person that they describe. Very, very important. You know, if we're not captured by the overwhelming greatness of God, you know what we do? we begin to look for something else to worship. And the reason we do is we were created to worship. See, it's not like some people worship, some people don't. Everybody worships. You want to know what you worship? Follow the trails of your affection. It leads to what you worship every time. When you begin to understand the goodness and greatness of God, which many, many of the songs will remind us of, then you remember, whoa, it's Him that is worthy of our worship. Not everything else. Not grades, not school, not that relationship, not this, not that. No, him. He is the only one worthy of our relationship, worthy of our worship. That is why Paul tells the Colossians, the verse we 
referenced earlier in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And then he goes on speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The word of God is where you have the opportunity to gaze upon the great and amazing God. It's in his word. When you look in his word, that's where you get the opportunity to see firsthand kind of a front row seat. This is who God is. This is what he's like. This is what he's done. You get an opportunity to do that in his word. Now, nobody understood that better than a couple of brothers named John and Charles Wesley. Now, for those of you that do not know who John and Charles Wesley are, John Wesley was the guy largely responsible. He started a college group over in England. He called it, you know, the, uh, he called it the, um, what was it called? The something club that basically was the discipline club. They needed to, you know, be disciplined over there and stuff like that. And they were so methodical that people said, you know, they are so methodical. We ought to call them Methodist. And so they did. And they called them Methodist. And the one who actually began the religion that we would look at the denomination we would call Methodist today was John and his brother, Charles Wesley. If you want to see a statue of him, you can walk around to the front of Bovard because many of you may not have known in its original state, USC was a Methodist institution in 1880. And John's statue is right there on the top of Bovard in one of the four corners right there that you can go around there and see him. What you may not have known also is he and his brother wrote lots of songs. Like his brother wrote 6,500 worship songs. 6,500. They filled over 56 worship books full of songs. And you're like, wow, that's more than Chris Tomlin. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, I mean, and you, you kind of look and you think, wow, what, were, were, they, were they just wanting to like have worship hits? No. If you look, the worship songs cover pretty much every theme that they ever taught on. What they were trying to do was to figure out how do you teach and admonish these people with the word of God? And what they realized is, you know what? Songs stick with you. If we're going to remind them of the truth, write a song about it. After they've forgotten us and they've forgotten their statues of us and they've forgotten anything we've done, you know what they'll do? They'll still be singing those songs because songs stick with you. So it reminds us of who God is, reminds us of his greatness. The fourth thing, it helps us express joy. It helps us express joy. Singing really helps us to engage emotionally with words. Uh, it helps you to express things that your heart feels. It, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a language of emotion in a lot of ways when you look at it. Singing helps you to engage with words and kind of heightens the emotional impact that you just don't get by speaking. Now, I, I was reminded of that as I was thinking this week I was thinking about this and I thought, that is so true. Like, um, I thought back to a, I thought back to a um, little rehearsal scene I had seen at one point for this movie. Any of you guys ever see a movie called The Greatest Showman? And we got, all right, three people have seen it. Oh, no, more people, okay. Some people, well, I don't want to admit that. You know, all right, you know, yeah, okay, Greatest Showman. So you've seen that. Well, if you know the story in there, it's the story of P.T. Barnum. And P.T. Barnum was a guy that, you know, he, he really, 
he kind of grew up in, in this uh, poverty state. He kind of grew up just not respected well and stuff. And he really wanted people to, to be entertained. He really wanted, but he really wanted people that were going to think really well of him. And I mean, honestly, he kind of thought, if people think well of me, it's part, partly of what Chelsea was sharing with us earlier. If people think this about me, that's who I am. And he chased this and chased this and chased this until one day it kind of dawned on him, what the heck am I doing? He began to look at how it clashed with what he really wanted to be about. He began to look at how it clashed with, with you know, uh, his family and the toll it was taking on them. And then this song is the thing he, he breaks into and he says, I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. But those were someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers, the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you there, I remember who all this was for. And then he makes this statement. From now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight. Let this promise in me start like an anthem from my heart. From now on, from now on, from now on. Now, you know what? Those are really good words. And um, you read them, you're kind of like, oh, that's, that's pretty good, you know? But nobody's like, yeah. Everybody's going, yeah, that's pretty good. But here's what I remember. You know what? Something's different when you sing, you can express things in song that just are more full of meaning. It's like the difference between color and black and white sometimes. Let me let you hear Hugh Jackman as he uh, writes that. just singing things, I mean, it just expresses more. Sometimes there's things that you sing and all of a sudden you're like, yeah. I mean, you know, the other people are like, good night. I could almost get excited about it. I mean, I have act, I won't get too excited, but I could almost get excited about that. Well, why? Well, because singing helps us express joy. Singing helps us express things that you don't quite know how to express with just words. And you can see how unmanly it is with a guy like Hugh Jackman. Uh, right? I mean, you've got a Wolverine singing, okay? My gosh. I mean, the guy, you know, you kind of, I mean, yeah, I know he makes most guys sick. They're like, how can you be both of those? Oh, my gosh. You know, all the girls go, oh, he can sing. And then, you know, then all the guys go, yeah, but look, he can, you know. And so, you know, you're just kind of like, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's amazing. Singing helps us. David says this in the Psalms. David writes this in Psalm 59, 16. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. I will sing. Then he says in um, Psalm 63, 7. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. 
As you look in scriptures, one of the things you'll notice is sometimes singing follows joy. Sometimes joy gives birth to singing. But what you will find in scripture is singing and joy are inseparably tied together so, so often. When you're joyous, you just want to sing. And when you're singing, you're just joyous. And so, you know what? It's, it's, it's tied together. The fifth thing I want us to see, it helps us connect and unite together. Why do we sing? It helps us connect and unite together. You know, have you ever noticed people sing in a lot of different places? You ever go to a baseball game? You're just calmly minding your own business, trying to eat a hot dog in the seventh inning. What do people do? They get up and sing. I mean, they sing all over the place. You, I mean, you, you think that's the only place you think, no, no, no. Parties, people start singing. Concerts, you think, hello, we paid to hear them. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, people start singing at concerts. People sing at weddings. People sing at funerals. I mean, each of those events doesn't have the same, you know, measure of, of intensity or the same measure of importance. But you, one of the things you see is, you know what? There's a... There's, there's a sameness about each one of those things in that singing makes you more connected. In fact, scientists have actually discovered that when you sing, there's a chemical change in your bodies that really contributes to a sense of bonding. That happens as you sing corporately together. So if some of you are thinking, gosh, I need to relate more, I need to connect more, sing. <laughs> sing. That's really true. And as we sing Together in worship, we're not only more connected, but we're also reminded of what unites us together. You know, as we sing and we look at the words and we think about it and we look around at the audience when we're singing horizontally and not just vertically, we're reminded, hey, you know what? We're not united because of ethnicity. We're not united because of socioeconomic background. We're not united because of our backgrounds at all. We're not united because of, you know... Where we came from, we're not united because of our majors. You know what we're united for? We're united because of the purpose God has given us in life. We're united because of the mission he has given us to be a part of. And we're united because of the family that he's allowed us to join and be a part of. That's what unites us. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, we ought to sing about that. Yeah, it's a good idea. You know, sing. It's a good thing. Lastly. Why do we sing? We sing because it builds each other up. It builds each other up. Now, like we said earlier, some people don't tend to sing. Sometimes that's guys. Um, But I'd like us to look at what God says, men. Um, If you look right here in Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful what? Singing. Singing. Let them also, he says in Psalm 107, let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Yeah. Psalm 96, 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Men, women, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. You know, Altogether, there are over 400 references to singing in Scripture. And there are over 50 commands to sing. Men and women, what I, what I would encourage you is this. 
I'm going to pray for us. And then what I'd like you to do is this. We're going to, we're going to join. Guess what? The worship team's going to come back up here and lead us. You know what I'd encourage you to do? Sing. Why? Because of all the reasons we just talked about. I'd encourage you to learn the songs. You know why? Because of all the reasons we just talked about. And I would encourage you to remember as you go through it. You know, there's not a more manly thing. If, if the Wolverine can sing for the love, I'll bet you we can too. You know? So let's pray. We'll invite the worship team back up. Father, thank you for not only giving us emotions, but then thinking far enough ahead because you are wise and you are good and you are great. So thank you for thinking of a language that we could communicate our emotions in, that of song. Thank you, Father, that you are so great and so good that mere speaking words would never suffice. So, Father, where we've thought wrongly about that, where we've been inhibited by that, where we've really thought that the prerequisite was this great voice, help us to understand the prerequisite is a heart surrendered to you that as we're filled with who you are and we are allowing you to work in and through our hearts. Father, we cannot help but sing. So Father, help us to understand that. Help us to live lives, whether it's in solitude or whether it's in in corporate worship. But Father, we'll never be able to sing to one another in solitude. So help us to join in. Help us to really sing in a way that really honors you and really strengthens, blesses, and reminds one another of who you are. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.